In July of 1941, during the Second World War in Poland, there was a priest named Maximilian Kolbe. He was a Franciscan friar who had traveled the world and had become quite famous, actually, in many ways. He uh, created a publication about Mary that had a distribution of something like 100,000 copies on a regular basis. And he was unjustly imprisoned in Auschwitz for the opposition uh, to the Nazis. And during his time in Auschwitz, the Nazis had a custom that if a prisoner escaped from uh, a particular area of Auschwitz, then 10 prisoners would be executed in retribution and as a deterrent for future escapes. One day, a prisoner did escape, or at least he wasn't present at roll call, which was enough for the Nazis to execute their plan to deter future escapes, and 10 men's names were read out. When the name of one of those men, Francis, I'm going to call him Francis, he has a Polish name that I can't pronounce, so his name is Francis, uh, when the name of Francis was read out, he cried out, my wife and my children. And suddenly another voice arose from amongst the ranks of emaciated men, that of Father Colby's, who broke ranks and made a plea of his own. He said, I am a Catholic priest and I wish to die in the place of that man. I am old. He has a wife and children. To the surprise of everyone present, the commander actually accepted Colby in place of the man. Francis later said, I could only thank Father Colby with my eyes. I was stunned and could hardly grasp what was going on. The immensity of it, I, the condemned, am to live, and someone else willingly and voluntarily offers his life for me, a stranger. Is this some dream? I wonder, brothers and sisters, uh, about the thoughts and emotions that must have passed through Father Colby's um, mind as he made that decision. It was an act of incredible courage and charity made in a split second. Greater love has no man than this but to lay down one's life for one's friend. But the man that Colby saved, he didn't even know. He made a decision and there were severe consequences of that decision almost immediately. I'm sure there was a sense of dread for Father Maximilian as he was led away to the starvation bunker in which he would die two weeks later from a lethal injection since the Nazis didn't even want to wait for him to die from starvation. But what was even more remarkable and what gives a picture of the state of Father Colby's mind at the time was that during those two weeks, eyewitnesses testified that from the underground cell in which they were shut up, there continually arose the echo of prayers and canticles offered to God. In particular, uh, the Salve Regina was heard coming from the, the, uh, the, 
the starvation bunker. He continued to offer joyous praise to God, even in the midst of profound suffering. And such are the stories, if we look through history, of many of the saints and martyrs who with supernatural courage were willing to die for the faith and for love of God and for love of their neighbor for the sake of God. What gives or what gave Colby and so many other saints the ability to find joy in the midst of their sufferings? You know, we're continuing through the letter to the Philippians right now. And St. Paul, who himself was in prison, he tells us to rejoice. And he even repeats it. I say it again, rejoice. Everyone should know the joy that you have. Last week, we heard about how joy comes from being with the Lord. And how nothing and no one can steal it from us because he makes himself findable at every moment of every day. Even in the midst of the profound sufferings of life, nothing can steal your joy without your permission. You can be with Jesus at every moment. Even in the midst of suffering, He's there. And today as we continue in our uh, reading the letter to the Philippians, Paul tells us to complete His joy by having in us the same attitude that is also in Christ Jesus who emptied Himself and took the form of a slave and offered himself for us. You see, St. Paul is making the argument that joy comes not only from being with Jesus, but also from being like Jesus, from being made uh, new in him. Joy comes from saying yes to the invitation to live like Jesus and then actually putting it into practice. This is the secret of the saint's joy, which is not impeded by suffering, suffer, even suffering unto death. So how do we have that same joy? Because sometimes when we look at Jesus or when we look at the saints or when we look at uh, these, these people who went before us, we have this, this, uh, this question in our minds, could I possibly do that? How, how could I possibly get to that point? You know, one of the things that's interesting about uh, the stories of the saints, or what's interesting about how we tell the stories of the saints, rather, is very often we focus on the last moments of their lives. You think about the stories of the martyrs. What do we, we, what do we know about the martyrs? We know uh, how they died, basically. Even in iconography, you, so you see the, the, you know, like the, if you were to see someone with a grill, you'd know it's St. Lawrence, or uh, different, different things like that. And in some ways, this is good, right? Because it's at the moment of their highest struggle that we can see their greatest triumph. We can see at that moment, grace brought to fulfillment as they shed their blood in imitation of Christ. But to tell the story like that misses something crucial about the rest of their life. And in doing so, it makes it seem nigh impossible for us to complete what St. Paul has commanded as the means for finding joy in imitating Christ. What it misses, brothers and sisters, and this is crucial, what it misses is the thousands of daily deaths to self that they experienced prior to their martyrdom. The little martyrdoms where they died to themselves in order to follow Christ. What it misses is the that the martyrs died in remarkable and total imitation of Jesus because they first followed the Lord's command, the Lord's invitation to imitate Him in life. How can we live like Jesus now? How can we have the mind of Christ now? The answer is very simple. The same way they did. 
The martyrs did not suddenly wake up one day with the courage to joyfully imitate Jesus in His death. Though their stories differ in time and place, though they were young and old, though they were men and women, though they were rich and poor, they all shared one thing. They made a decision to love Jesus above all things because He had loved them first. And they began to adopt His worldview. In our Gospel today, we hear at the very end of the Gospel how uh, we're to change our minds and believe in Him. And it, that same word that is used there is used in uh, St. Paul. And it means more than simply uh, just our, our, our way of thinking. It, it means an entire worldview, an entire attitude towards life. We're to put on the mind of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. We're to have the entire way of looking at the world that He did. All of the saints and the martyrs did this. They chose time and again to be His disciples. They chose to live for Christ. And thus they were capable of dying for Him. What's the worldview of Christ? What's the attitude of Christ that St. Paul invites us to today? St. Paul describes it with what many think is the oldest piece of Christian writing in the New Testament. He says, Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, He emptied Himself and took the form of a slave, coming in human likeness and found human in, ex- in appearance. He humbled Himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why? For us men and for our salvation, brothers and sisters, Jesus regarded us as more important than Himself. He humbly regarded us as more important than His own life. He came for us men and for our salvation. And that is His entire way of looking at the world. It was the reason He came. Paul summarizes all this in his command for us to humbly regard others as more important than yourselves. Now that seems counterintuitive as the way to joy, but the more we give ourselves away in service, the more we offer ourselves in sacrifice, the more we choose what's best for the other regardless of the cost to ourselves, the more we will find joy. And that's the secret to the martyr's joy, even in the midst of profound suffering. Provoked into loving Jesus by Jesus' love for them, they lived a life of sacrificial love for others out of love for Jesus. Their joy comes from being able to be like Him and to share His love with others. So how do we learn to do that? Because it's not enough, as we heard in the Gospel, it's not enough to just say yes to that. We actually have to learn how to go into the vineyard of the Lord and do that. We learn like we learn every other skill in life. We practice. And we have an opportunity to do that at every moment. Parents, When your kids wake you up in the middle of the night, humbly regard others as more important than yourselves. Right? Kids and husbands, when the dishes need doing, humbly regard others as more important than yourselves. When that person who's annoying at work comes and talks to you, Humbly regard others as more important than yourselves. When someone comes to you at an inconvenient time 
or is an inconvenience to you, humbly regard others as more important than yourselves. When someone cuts you off in traffic, humbly regard others as more important than yourselves. Brothers and sisters, we have opportunities to do this, to make sacrifices, to offer things up for the sake of Jesus at every day, during every day. And that repeated daily practice of sacrifice is essential to our finding joy in Christ as Christ did. The more we become like him, the more joy-filled we become. Now friends, this is ultimately taken up into what we're doing right now. See, right now, in just a few moments, the sacrifice of Christ will be present here on this altar again. And I'll say to all of you before that sacrifice uh, is made present, I'll say, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Your sacrifice is all of those things. Your sacrifice is the daily toil. It's the daily saying yes to Jesus to humbly regard others as more important than yourselves. That's what it looks like. And you bring it here and it's made perfect on this altar because it's united with the one sacrifice that saves. Brothers and sisters, this is the martyr's secret. This is the saint's secret. That they chose to love God above all things and their neighbor for their sake, for his sake. And they put on the mind of Jesus as they humbly regarded others as more important than themselves.